It feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. It feels like the first time. It feels like the very first time. Hello, everybody, and welcome, 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 one and all, to another exciting episode of the First Time Show. Welcome. Welcome. Right off the top. Welcome. Come on, come all. I want to say something right away, which is... Okay, and then I want to say something right away. Welcome back, Alana. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and we are sans Owen today. And we don't know... The thing about Owen is, is he's kind we of like... We don't know why. He's kind of like God. You never know when he's going to show himself. And when he does, it's usually in mysterious ways. So um, so maybe Owen will be back and maybe not. But it was nice to have him on. Shout out to Owen. Hashtag Owen. Yes. Now, literally, I would like I'm everybody. I'm wearing the white uh, V-neck. So me and Owen are just molding into one person over time. <laughs> now, everybody shout out to Owen right now out loud. Shout out Owen. Yes. Wherever you are yeah. in the world. Or just tweet out hashtag Owen. Yes. But make sure you say it out loud while you write it. And also write a novel about Owen. And don't forget to say it out loud. Out loud. <laughs> Guys, welcome to the show. Uh, we're joined once again by Alana Ficus. Alana's back. And uh, we're cruising through season three. And Brett. Of course. <laughs> we're always joined by Brett. I'm, all, oh, I'm okay. always here. Every single time. Look, I don't introduce myself. So it's not like I'm missing anybody. Can um, I say something I just wanted before? to shout out you because oh, you weren't you. in the episode last week, and I think that that's of note. Welcome thank back, you, Brett. Welcome back, much. Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Um, Welcome back. Thank don't you, be Brett. Ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Wait, listen. can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Before I take this dang coat off because it's hot, I'm wearing this outfit in honor of Nora on the second episode. Do you see the cold chain? Camel Do you see that frosh? cold chain, Brett? Alana was really bothered by Nora's camouflage shirt, and the whole time no, I, I was thinking, bothered. "Well, you you brought I it up was... so many times, like what's with the sh- what's with the military? No, the outfit. But I just don't get it. The outfit was significant. I wasn't bothered, but it was significant. I think Nora's just like she's a hip, older woman, and she wears her Converse and she wears her military shirts. No, and I think no, she... I can stop you right there. That is fashion that was going on in two thousand five, two thousand six. Well, sure, 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 sure. Period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, but you wouldn't and have what seen. Was fascinating so you don't about think it... there's a reason? There's no reason she wore. Well, Alana there could... thinks no, there there's been... a reason. No, I just said there could have been a reason, but every single element that she was wearing was so incredibly streetwear, two thousand five, two thousand six. That I was. Uh, yes, but that's like an important thing watching, to distinguish. Streetwear, which isn't necessarily something like a debatably pushing 40 year old woman would wear. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, but it isn't. It is something her character Prove it to would me. wear. Well, yeah, her character. 100%. Her character, yes. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm saying that you're trying it's not, to say it's out of the norm, and I'm saying it's not out of the norm. I'm saying, I just. I'm saying, hold on, hold on. I agree. No, what I'm saying. I agree with you. I agree <laughs> with you. I'm just saying. It's out of the norm Norm for a woman woman her age age. to wear streetwear like that, but not out of the norm for her character. I disagree, but it's okay. okay. We can have different opinions. I'm saying the reason it was significant to me was I couldn't the whole time I was watching that. I'm really guided by fashion, like clothing choices. That's your podcast for me. That's a great podcast. Guided by fashion. Guided by fashion. (laughs) It was a little bit like there's like Jesus in there. (laughs) I'm not into that part, but. 
So are you saying you're talking about Jesus? The, the whole time in the episode, I felt like wh- who I was in 2005, 2006 era. Or maybe I'm getting the years wrong. Could be somewhere between 2005 and 2008. But somewhere in there. That, All right. That, uh, and it was really weird. It was really weird to feel like my other version of myself watching this. Does that compute at all to well, anybody? Because yes, like, it's a huge experience to me. And that's why I kept commenting on it. Well, I think that's wonderful. And um, <laughs> if you want to hold further, hand, further hold analyses. Hold my hand if you need to hold it. If you want to hold further analyses of this particular t- conversation, we should save it for when we get to that episode. Let's not gloss over the fact that let's and let's not, not let's get not, too far away from guided by fashion yes and let's not wear lip gloss because that name i've ever heard <laughs> but <laughs> it let's, wasn't popular in that we can time. rebrand yeah yeah <laughs> brett and i have ideas actually can i just unofficially shout out i am working on a podcast that has to do with fashion and movies yeah I, we talked about no self-promotion but I, is that what it's we called? talked about but no na- self well now i'm like I'm should i change the mic off i'm sorry i turn her mic i had to turn her off no Guided by fashion is good. Zoom, I'm turning it yeah. up. Guided by fashion is that a better name than what I'm going for? I don't know. That does. It's, it's... what I don't know the other name, but yes. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Everybody, calm the fuck down. We're on season three. Throw me some slabs of meat. I'm a puppy. Season three, episode three and four <laughs> is what we're covering this episode. Um. The name of the first episode that we are covering. Wait, Brett. Brett just looks like you look like a like a cool modern popular vampire in your cave. You just keep walking back and forth. Oh, that's that's so one hundred percent what I was going for. Oh, well done. Someone's guided by fashion in my dungeon. <laughs> modern vampire. Um. Oh shit. So the, the first party? episode of. Oh yeah. I forgot all about Please it. Please give me no, that party. I, I don't I think I have it party. anymore because I deleted oh, a bunch of stuff. I clean. I cleaned out the soundboard a little <laughs> bit because it was it was cluttered up and I couldn't find a lot of shit. But um, uh, but Steve, yes, the first episode. There's of, a lot of there's a lot of clips this week, and there's a lot of clips this week. And uh, for the sake of Brett, who is a family man on the weekend, taking his time for us and this show. I'd like to not dilly dally a okay, little sorry, too much, um, so that we can, you know, continue our weekend and all those th- perfect things. So let's jump right in. Season three, episode three is called "Crazy White Fella Thinking," and "white fella" is one word, and I don't think that that is a real word. I'm just gonna say it. But it was directed by Mimi Leader, written by Damon Lindelof and Tom Speziali. Did I see that Mimi Leader got a, a producer credit at this point? Yeah. Yeah, her name is seen multiple times in the opening credit. Yeah. Good for her. Good for mm-hmm. her. So we, we get it, a I largely think. Kevin Sr., Kevin Garvey Sr.-centric episode. Yes, can I get the Kevin Garvey Sr. combo? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's largely about Kevin Garvey Sr. in... Australia and what he was doing there and what kind of mischief he was getting up to. And he seems to have gone full crazy again. Thoughts? Uh, you think? Well, I mean, what the fuck is he talking about like... with this flood shit? Where the fuck is this flood shit coming from? We don't know yet. And what is wrong with him? And he really seems it's okay, okay. 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 It seems connected. 
because he was like, I started listening to what the voices were telling me. And by the way, we learned that the voices appeared for the first time to him as a result of the departure, which I think is the first time that's confirmed, yes. right? Yes, Because yes. for all we knew, and there's just a hereditary thing in their family and they, you know, maybe there's a mental disorder or something, uh, bipolar or whatever it is. But no, I think it's com- it's now confirmed that it seems like his the voices that he's hearing are a direct result of the departure. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think yep. that I think that was a surprise to me. Yeah. So I assumed it was the first time we'd heard it. I was I felt like it, it buttoned up everything with Kevin Sr. that we haven't seen except for him talking to Kevin Jr. in the hotel. And then the question is, did that really happen? I think it happened when yeah. he was on that drug trip and he doesn't remember it. God's tongue. Mm. I think it to me, it's obvious it was during that drug trip when he's like, I don't remember what happened during this time. Yeah, and I think... But you don't think Kevin could have just imagined that in his... I think well, Lindelof I've, wants us to believe life that. Experience. I think what what mm-hmm. they're setting up is is Kevin Senior is like I took God's tongue and then I was out for what seven days or something. I, I took your tongue, God. Said? I got your tongue. Did he say that? He said seven days. No, two weeks, and he ended up two, across two the country in a hotel room. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is is that um, two weeks later. It's, it seems like what they're doing is is like now that Kevin Junior and Kevin Senior are reunited. They're going to have a conversation, and I'm sure Kevin Jr. will bring up the hotel communication and all that. And then so. maybe that will tie up some loose ends for Kevin Sr. But, um, yeah, it is interesting that they've decided to go with that. He doesn't remember what he did while he was on God's Tongue. But, but it confirmed my suspicion, which was that... He was in Australia when he contacted Kevin through the hotel. But we knew that, didn't we? But I think we weren't sure. Well, yeah, we knew. Well, we no, weren't we sure knew. because he had already left for Australia. Well, maybe I never. I did wasn't you ever sure. question it? Well, here's why I questioned it: because when Kevin's dad okay. is being communicated with through the TV, he says, "Holy shit, we're in the same hotel room." <gasps> oh yeah. And I was uh... like, "Huh? Does that mean he's?" What does that mean? So now that we've confirmed that he was in Australia, then potentially the hotel in Kevin's afterlife or in the afterlife is just a version of that hotel in Australia. Or Or maybe maybe the afterlife is Australia. The afterlife could be Australia, but he does drive to Jarden. To <laughs> I that. mean, I think, but if we're going with Kevin's dad's vibes, mm-hmm. the afterlife is Perth specifically. The, the problem with that Perth, is, Australia. is that he did drive from the hotel with young Patty to throw her into the well in Jarden. So, but if we are in a magical afterlife where geography kind of doesn't make sense or isn't connected in a way it is in our world, then perhaps he, you know, maybe it's just. A lot of interesting. So you're saying the hotel is real. I'm not saying it's real. Or are you saying that Kevin Senior died a little bit when he took God's tongue? I think we're pretty much go through his own journey. I like that, but I think we're joking that the hotel is real. No, no. More specifically, what I'm saying is, is that the hotel might be based off of a real hotel in Australia in the show world or whatever, but we might never learn that. And the only thing that alludes to that is when Kevin senior was like, we're in the same fucking room. So I don't know. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. If that's ever going to be connected again, because that Mm -hmm. was a season ago and I'm sure they're not really worried about things like that. But 
I think they probably are. But Regardless, I, hear you. I think to move forward, we've got confirmation that he was in Australia and potentially the the hotel is similar to an Australian one. I don't know. Who knows? But um, but we did get a lot of interesting information, like Kevin Senior seems to be trying to collect a song from Aboriginal natives of Australia that um, when... I didn't understand how many songs. It seems like... It it felt like he was saying that, yeah. It felt like he was... Well, he said it was the last song to collect. Yeah, he was... I didn't get any perspective into how many songs... Well, the map, when you see the map... already collected. It looked like there was like eight or something. Oh, no, it looked to me like there were like 20. Oh, maybe. Maybe 15. And he's going from... It's like this jaggedy line and each dot the song mar- line or whatever you song call line it. and each dot marks where a different tribe is and each tribe sings a particular like their own unique chant and song, those yeah. and those mm. chants come together and create one elaborate song but and also, that's why they call it the song line i think that's probably a real thing i would google it i'm but sure it is i'm pr- i would be pretty Likely, and, that's real. And it also seems like each song does something kind of different. Yeah. Like, and, and, but, uh, like, each tribe has a thing they'd kind of focus more on, I think, culturally, probably, too. But this Christmas guy, what's his name? Chris? Christmas? His name is Chris. Yeah, but they called him something Christmas. Like, his name, what? right? Wasn't it? No, they did not. Yeah. Uh, his last name was, like, no. It was an English word, like, story or cloud or something. I, I it was sw- like Christian winter or something like that. I thought that. it was, it was Christmas. Chris. It was just Chris. Wait. Maybe his well, last he name said his name was Chris. So he was calling him Christopher. Oh, Christopher Christi- Sunday. Sunday, that's it. Sunday. Christopher Christmas. And was Columbus. that who the guy standing on the pole in, um, or the, uh, I don't know. Wait, the what? Column the tower Jordan guy? Sent the, is that who he sent the no, letter to? No, he sent the letter to David Burton. The guy who came back mm. from the well, hotel. it would have been more interesting. Yeah, but it, it seems it's, like it's Sunday. This guy, Christopher Sunday, Chris. It seems like his whole thing is that his song brings the rain. Right, it's a rain song. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and Kevin Senior thinks that if he collects all these songs and then combines them, then he can sing some sort of spell that could keep keep the flood away or something it seems like save the which world. is interesting because kevin jr had to sing to get back to reality yeah. oh, that's yeah. interesting Last that's why season. i fucking I love this show that. all these weird things are connected in some weird thematic way that won't make sense until it's all done i yeah. feel like but, and then it probably still won't make and sense probably still a good won't amount. Make sense. Yeah. yeah but what do um, you guys think about this episode i loved it sing, it seemed like we were in a little a short film story about this like wandering crazy old man that may or may not have the way to save the world about two-thirds of the way through i got really upset about it and i was like i hate this stuff because alana and then it got better so uh, i was like okay fine alana gets upset when she had a little bit of a struggling a lot yes it was i kept saying this is like oh great we have a matt 1.0 because in my opinion it wasn't quite as bad as matt's but it was still at a certain point i was not happy uh, and also for yeah, the f- I loved this episode, but I was disappointed by it at the same time. Oh, really? I didn't like, I didn't like the explanation that the the woman found the one piece of the new Bible, and I I don't know. When we first saw that, I was excited that the Bible, the the sequel Bible, the sequel yeah. had gotten out and people were you know into. It. I didn't like that it was just the one page. Oh, I see. Kind of disappointed. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I feel but, that. but you know what's interesting about it is, and I think maybe there's like a bit of a confusion about that one page, but it seems like that woman, before she discovered the page, she went to look for this Kevin person, right? Or is it supposed no. to be that because Kevin she Sr. Went, got there, she, said she went she found through the page stuff. And it said it was a chief of police named Kevin. And she was saying, what were the chances that right down the street there's a chief of police named Kevin? Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so you like the uh, you were disappointed that the book hadn't gotten out and people were already like yeah. following the book. Yeah. I thought we were going to jump ahead. But then we, obvi- we also get that woman is in the first episode, right, with Nora? Yeah. Uh, wait, I don't know about with Nora. Which is clearly in the future. Yeah, oh, oh, with oh, oh, old oh. Nora. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's her, though. Is it her? I don't. I, I know there's so. a, there is an older woman in with like weird old Nora, whether that's a flash forward or some weird alternate dimension or something, whatever that is. We're there, not going to go back and check. It's not that kind of We won't go back and check, but um, yeah. I guess I can understand your disappointment in discovering that it seems isolated to just kind of like discovering Kevin Sr.'s piece of paper. I thought her story was great and tragic and horrible. Yeah, but, uh, agreed. Oh, absolutely horrible. Oh, and yeah. You can and you can feel the gears working in the writer's room with that idea of like, okay, well, who who haven't we like explored yet in this world? Like which psychology, what yeah, kind of right. what kind of turmoil have we not really explored yet in a post 2% of the world disappearing story? And it seems like someone who is was a total affected. believer, like an absolute believer well, to such a degree she didn't go back to check if her kids were even still there. Well, not there. only that. It's not even that. It's oh, like... It's I not think, even that. I think it's straight up just the idea that if you if that had happened to you, there's there's no way you would consider that they were like lost out in the middle of nowhere somewhere, especially mm-hmm. if you had heard that people were just disappeared all over the world and all you were hearing all day was that... People in your own city, people in your own town disappeared. It's like, of course you would just think all of my children disappeared, especially when you hear that some people's entire fucking families disappeared during the departure. To me, it feels like what they're exploring here is a storyline from a mother's perspective and also like an incredibly good Samaritan type character. Yeah. Someone who adopted all of these like Aboriginal children and all these like, you know, just these orphans, it seems. This kind of like um uh you know selfless saint saint like kind of person uh you know and and seeing her, that a type of character like that suffer from the result of the departure in a way that like we hadn't seen in the show before yeah and on top of that it's a really sad story very lindelof but and on top of that we seem to be exploring the perspective of one of these like crazy religions starting. So like one of these, Wait, like, what do you mean? well, cause we're seeing this book yeah. of Kevin thing kind oh. of like spread like right from the source. And, and it's kind of interesting because it's like this David Burton guy that they explored the concept of in the pat in the last season that all these people were worshiping this guy that just kind of came back from the dead. They kind of alluded to the idea that like people 
are they so want an answer to this fucking departure that literally any magical thing that could possibly happen is a new religion to them well yeah that's and like the season fact that one episode one shit totally all the cults like but the of fact course. that we're living we're seeing it the fact that we're seeing the mm, spark from the seed and, and how it spreads yeah. and how other people are like getting into it mm-hmm. is a really interesting new exploration of like a post apocalyptic world which i'm really enjoying so far sure i want to talk more about the kevin senior in that episode for a second sure i mean he i do he is acting very crazy that's what i'm saying i think he's up it's hard to even like him in a lot of his crazy antics we were like man oh i I kind of hate what you're doing well He's just being a dick all over so the you place. Think, you think he's an unlikable character. Well, I think he's pushing. He hasn't I, done much to earn a, earn our love. I, I'm still with him because I think there might be a reason behind his madness, but he's like really pushing it and it. he's not giving us a lot of potential ends that feel like they would justify the means that he's creating. Like, I, think, I think his character's purpose. I agree purpose, with that. I totally agree with it, but I also feel like what's what they're doing with his character is is potentially more kevin jr centric which is the idea that okay so at the end of season two we came to a conclusion that it's very possible that all this like otherworldly magical shit happening to kevin actually is happening right and so once you discover that in your head you go back through the show and you're like okay what else was something that I wrote off as like not real that now that all of this shit that's happening to Kevin seems fucking very real. What else could be real? Okay. Well, Kevin's dad hearing voices and shit is probably real, right? Yeah. So I think what's happening now is, is they're They put Kevin seniors crazy at 11 so that you could really worry about Kevin again, because hmm. in seeing his dad, seemingly get better by finally listening to what the voices are telling him and for the audience thinking that's the answer to like surviving this insanity of seeing dead people is just to kind of listen to them and or go into the afterlife and battle them so they can finally leave well they left him but he hadn't heard them since he got to australia well what i'm saying is is like i think that they're intensifying kevin senior's craziness so that you can worry about kevin's craziness because kevin seeing evie yeah. was like bonkers. Oh, that was fantastic. It was, but let's, it was so done let's well. One episode at sorry, a time. Sorry. But, but I think that's, just to simplify, I think that's the answer to Kevin Sr.'s craziness. I think it's like now we're at a place in this season where it's like, okay, well, is it real or is it actually just people going crazy? And I think it's like, well, you can't Well, I think tell. I said this last week, but it's like, we're full Lindelof now. Yes. This, what's <laughs> happening now, is totally believable that everything Kevin is saying could be true, that he has to sing Mm -hmm. to save the world from the flood. I think the first season, this would have been easily dismissed by us, by the audience, just the tone of the show. Mm -hmm. And I think the second season has taken us full circle into like crazy town a little bit where everything's possible. Yes. Um, Full Lindell. Brett, any other, any other thoughts? Wait, I have another. Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I want to talk about him pulling that page out of the the new Bible. What do you call it? The Book of Kevin? The Book of Kevin. Before reading. The goddamn he, sequel. He the, yanked the out that too. page to wrap the money in before he read it. I know. That's interesting. He didn't know that he didn't like it. I mean, first of all, I was pissed he watching that happen. He just hated everything. I was just like, what the fuck? You, just, you haven't read this shit yet? You don't know what that's written on that page? I was pissed. 
Yeah. But, well, he. But then he, he hates it anyway. Hate you're like, everything. Well, were you gonna hate it anyway? And then the second part, my like side note onto that is, what is his deal with like needing attention and being like, this isn't about my son. It's about me. You missed everything. I'm fucking bonkers. I'm the guy. I'm the new Jesus. Fuck my son. Look well, at me. Well, it's interesting because it seems like Kevin Senior is finally getting validation from Matt and. Uh, John and Michael. Or maybe who's, thought he was starting the... to and then isn't because it's about his strung. Well, sure, but the validation he received initially from Matt and now that like about his voices and the journey and the mission and going to sure. Australia, like all of that seems to be validated in his friendships and his family. So I think that that intensifies his importance in this discovery that Kevin is yeah, like the way he treats potentially Matt. a messiah. Yeah, well, I mean, the way he treats Matt in regard to all this, like that, those are the things where I'm saying his character's becoming, yeah. it's like less and less, like, what are the ends though? Because your means are becoming real mean. Yeah, I just, I think, again, in regards to all of that, I think they're just intensifying Kevin Sr. so that you're like, I hear you, well, but fuck, I don't know. Is if he I crazy now? Who way? knows? Because, yeah. I hear the potential there. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if no. I, I haven't decided yet if I feel that way. Well, I want to read. Wait, Brett, do you have a oh. thought on those? The book I mean, just in as that? much as like, you know, I, I I definitely think anything's possible. I'm I'm more inclined to believe it at this point in the show mm-hmm. that there's at least something. But Kevin Jr. singing in the afterlife to come back doesn't feel like an accident. So mm-hmm. it's like, does Kevin Sr. think he needs to sing, but it's actually his son? Like Jesus is oh. God's son, you know. So are we talking about Kevin Jr. being Jesus? Um, or, or is it all like the Antichrist and they'll bring about the end of the world? Yeah, because they could be going about it all wrong and doing the evil stuff. We also haven't mentioned that the dad saw the adopted kids grown up. Oh, yeah, that was that was really interesting. K Jr. It was almost like... K Sr., I mean. It was almost like Kevin Sr. went to the... To, to an afterlife. He like went to a different dimension or for a second. Or he went to like wherever. Back. Yeah. But did you, what did you think about yeah. that, Brett? Seeing all the kids grown up, like building like a boat and shit. I just, again, it's like, I'm here for that ride. I just don't know. The problem with the show right now is I know we're running out of episodes and it's hard to find like a point of focus. Yeah, true. Where it's like, what am I supposed to be paying attention to right now? And I'm almost like I'm a guard up for anything that's outside where they're, it's like, okay, well, they're building an arc. Um, sure. For the flood <laughs> and the kid, the Are little boy's name a... is Noah. The son, Matt and yeah, Mary. Yeah, their son is Noah. Anyway, go ahead. But what I was gonna say is like, um, uh, overall, I I'm just confused why we're in Australia. <laughs> like, truthfully, I started thinking that through this episode. I'm like, why? What's the significance of Australia? And I'm wondering, because they keep referencing that it was the 15th and not the 14th, and that, I, I don't know, because the seven the seven years after is really interesting and the fact that's coming up. But uh, ultimately, I'm like, I don't know. I found myself like not looking for answers, knowing that we only have a few episodes left. Yeah, like, so you're just, just basking in it, letting yeah. it wash over me. And even the next episode, I was very like, Okay, well, we'll see. Four more episodes. Yeah. Well, what do you think is the deal with the 15th, not the 14th? What do you mean? I don't feel like they've Meaning emphasized they... that too much. 
They did bring that? it up. They brought it up. Yeah, because it literally is the fifteenth. I guess not they just the 14th. really. I think they really want the audience to In like Australia. visual, like remember that where they are, it happened like kind of the next day. No, but. Because it happened at the exact same moment yes. in time, but because of our timelines, Australia is a day ahead of the yeah. US. But it all happened at the yeah, same moment. Yeah, I guess moment. what I'm trying to say is because, you know, you haven't seen Lost yet, Alana, but going through Lost with Steve and Owen, now I'm just looking at the edges. <laughs> I'm not looking at the, I'm not yeah. looking at like the main focus. I'm just trying to find like, mm. well, that blade of grass seems out of place. What does that yeah. mean? Um, and it's like, I can't stop my brain from like really hyper-focusing on weird stuff where yeah. it's like, why would we go to Australia? It's a different day. Does that all mean something? Is there a reason we have to go to Australia? I see. I see. Yeah. Um, and I started thinking like, what is the elevation in Australia? Is it higher or lower? If a flood comes, oh, Australia sink interesting. First? uh, things like that. I found something That's very interesting of note here in the wiki. It's saying that Kevin Sr. discovers an indigenous group in Grace's backyard building a boat. It doesn't say that it's like her children. But they call the guy by the name that we are then very obviously pointed to in her um, adoption book. Yeah. So it, Wait, it I'm confused. Like are you saying these are her children that died? Yeah. That's what we think. Is that not what you got? Oh, I mean, but, I see. But the sh- but this wiki is not alluding to that either, so we could be wrong too. I know we could be wrong. And I I took it as Kevin sees like the these people talk to Kevin Senior, and because Kevin Junior sees them, doesn't just hear them. I assume Kevin Senior also sees them, doesn't just hear them. Oh, like he looks around the room, you know, when he was yeah. in the asylum and stuff. Yeah. So my feeling when he went and saw and talked to these people is because there were no other like alive humans around he couldn't tell the difference between those being people who are here in a different dimension dead whatever well, or it not is interesting because she d- he, when kevin senior asks her in the moment grace he asks her when they have that conversation at the end of the episode he asks her um so you're out here all alone yeah. and she said yeah because she tells the story of, I think it becomes obvious to him. He's seen the pictures. He already thinks those people he Who saw as those kids. I Who think we'll, we'll the same f- way we would, because we heard them call them by the. Here's names. what I'll say about that. What I think is interesting is they died. They didn't depart. They died. Yeah. And yeah. in the next episode, we get a very specific part where John and Lori yeah. are doing their little con make make people feel better, mm-hmm. and they won't talk about people that departed. Yeah. And but They'll only also, talk about people that died as yeah. if to say it's almost like the show saying it's different. De- and we don't know what different. happened to him it's yet. Definitely different. So it's like, you know, Kevin's only seen Dead. Kevin Jr. has only seen people that died. Yeah. Uh and so the fact that they the kids died, could he be seeing them? Sure. I don't know why they would be grown up though. Yeah. Well what supports that I think though also is that um one of those potentially dead adult children he sees confirms that uh chris sunday died well he confirms that chris sunday is dead and how would he oh, know that yeah. if he couldn't like you know we're dead too so we know that shit Man, or, i don't know knows. whatever <laughs> maybe she means that she's alone oh that's there. right maybe she means that she's alone up there but that like are you tweezing a hair out of your leg yes maybe she maybe she's saying that she's alone out there but she has people like come help her with things but for the most part 
she's like alone when they no way i think she means that she is alone and i think those are the dead kids that he sees as adults um another thing i wanted to bring up really quick which i love uh which is making my head hurt it happens in the next episode but (laughs) should we switch to the next uh, we'll get there, but sure, whatever. But I just wanted to say, because I have stuff to read from the episode <laughs> okay, that okay, might okay. be interesting, but I really just loved, as a side note, that, oh no, it was this episode. No, 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 no maybe it was the next Just one. tell us. I don't remember which one it was, but someone <laughs> said they saw someone depart right in front of their face. She it was talks about the She talks about the checkout she person. Said they had Weedabix in their hand, a, bo- a oh, box yeah. of cereal, and, and the cereal went, went with, with them. them. What? Which is crazy. So it's like, how the fuck do you think that's a rapture? That's not just organic you take cereal with you. The box is not yeah. all organic. I don't know. chemicals. But I love that. Wait, also, we got to talk about Tony the chicken. I know. Well, I was There's actually going to so bring it up here. There's so much in that episode. Jeeber. Well, I guess what this thing. Yeah, the, just read the thing. What the wiki's we'll saying here it. is that. Because Kevin Sr. sees this bush snake and calls it his totem. Yeah, because earlier he mentions that snakes are his totem. He says that earlier in the episode. Right. And I think w- that <laughs> that is connected to that whole thing where this Tony the chicken kind of like <laughs> dictated his like destiny, his, his Who mission. Who the fuck chose to name it Tony? I know. I love it. I love it because I wish we I got think... a clip where somebody like, well, I asked Tony the well, chicken. I, here's what I think. I think we're seeing... A lo- some sat- I mean, we're obviously seeing satirical things happen here because we had the Perfect Strangers theme open the, the last episode, and we had the fucking guy from Perfect. We haven't Perfect talked Strangers. about the opening theme is different now in every episode. I know, and that, I I love it. Was it was that Richard Cheese? Yeah, at the of this yeah, thing? it was. Wow, I know. And wow. and so what I think is is we're seeing like Lindelof playing around. We're seeing the showrunners and the show people playing around with the, the convention of television and the convention of telling a dramatic story and uh and I love it. They're really just experimenting with shit in television, which is wonderful. And I think in line with that is the idea that um there's satirical things happening in the show too. Like things like Tony, the fucking chicken. It's like you have this incredibly serious heartfelt, like pouring out soul, you you. know, soul bleeding conversation about fucking Tony, the chicken. And it's like in this show, it means so much to this character. And it was like the start of his journey. But I love that. Like when you, when you step back from that, you, you see that like they could just be fucking with us in the writer's room and being like, you know, religions and belief and miracles and all of these weird things that are unexplainable in our life have been defined by so many different people as meaningful things like seeing a fucking chicken that supposedly can tell the future or whatever. (laughs) And I think that these things are very real, but they're also ridiculous at the same time. Yeah. And I think I feel like the chicken stayed within the bird theme. True. I guess that's, that's true. true. Not only did it stay within the bird and animal theme throughout the entire fucking show, I think that there's a sense of them kind of just fucking with us and being like, look, religions and beliefs and all these things have started with even crazier concepts. So let's just play around with that while we create this new kind of religion before our eyes, which yeah. I think is very interesting. And you know what you just reminded me of? She also, Grace, confirmed that animals disappeared too because remember she animal. said- yeah, that was confirmed. That one yeah. farm, all the people and the animals there yeah. disappeared. Yeah. What the shit? 
obviously yeah. Tony's parents disappeared. <laughs> yeah. So um we also got to see just like a little bit of Kevin Senior's perspective of the departure like seven years ago with all the people running around in the streets oh, and yeah. him just standing in the street. Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting and, and cool to see. Um You wanna talk about Kevin falling off the roof? <laughs> I was like, his hip is broken. That man is too old. Yep. But I was like, oh no, he broke Chris. Chris Sunday. <laughs> Christopher Sunday. It's just a so, there's so much in this episode from a very serious show. And then it became like a fucking Abbott and Costello cartoon. Yeah. I know. I love yes. it. I was there were really... parts of it. And then the guy, oh, we got to talk about the guy who lights himself on fire because yeah. he answered the question wrong. And then later, Nora answers it the opposite, and it's still it, wrong. She answers it but... right, and it's still wrong, yeah. Because it might have right. more to do with how much you struggle with the question and how many questions you have rather than There's like answering things, it right yeah. away. But who knows? But I wanted to read some of these. Well, would you? Would you kill the baby? I think so. I'm super unsatisfied with Christopher Sunday also. like to me, I don't think we're done with Christopher Sunday. I hope... Wait, are you a yes? I I'm, hope a yes. Christopher yes. I'm a yes. Christopher Sunday comes back. What'd you say? What do you, Alana? I hope Christopher Sunday comes back as like one of his dead people talking to him. Because if he doesn't, I'll be fucking living. Okay, but what do you? What would you choose <laughs> in that question? Um, it's really hard to say. But yeah. going off Nora's questions and the answers she got, I would probably be with Nora. I think that's. And I'm also dressed like her and, today. And I think that's the point. Like Nora made like an excellent observation and an excellent point about the question which is like babies die all the time and curing cancer would save millions billions whatever um and i think it's meant to be like well this is this is obviously the answer see but listen i'm a no oh wow because if there's a decision to be made where it's like you can kill this baby and cure cancer it feels like there's it feels like it isn't my decision to make hmm it feels like a big old fantasy whether or not, idea whether, to me. Meaning, but whose like, decision is it It doesn't feel like it's ever it my make? decision whether or not someone should die or not. Uh, mm. Especially a baby. It feels he, like a trap. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I've, uh, sure. It's sure. hard for me to actually think about that because in reality, when I think about the idea of something or a cure for cancer, cancer is... I just have a little bit too much medical yeah, knowledge hypothetic. to actually... It's hypothetical. I know, but what I'm saying yeah. is because I have a little bit more... Like, I think a lot about the health details and things like that um it makes that question super fantastical there's like almost sure, zero sure. reality in it for me so it's an easy question for me to answer in fantasy zone it's harder for me to actually think in real world terms if that were possible do you know because if if they said cure something else that was like a like a covid or some like a strain of a virus that'd be easier for me to conceptualize in real world but to cure something like cancer that's just a well, cell it's like mutating. we have a like we have a cure no for cancer what, we have time. to test it we have to test it on babies and it's probably going to kill this baby yeah but what i'm so saying we can is figure can't... out if it works or not i'm yeah, saying it's have too to... unrealistic for me because i know too much about cancer yeah, and i know like... how much you can't just blank you could never blanket cure cancer with one cure it's yes totally never sure sure sure, sure sure but the but it's less it's less dramatic if you're like 
if the question is is so multi layered and I know, long I know. And I'm, like I'm, no, no, you no. cure only some the most dangerous cancer and it's like no well, I that, know now I know but the point I'm making is because the what makes this a hard hitting question is how really you can think of it if you can really perceive this as imagine this re- circumstance was really a real thing and you had to actually make that choice you know it's that yeah, whole thing where you pull the lever and it's going to kill one person or a bunch sure. of people on the train tracks yeah. it's the same question concept but. I'm saying it's hard for this specific one for me to really. I know, but you don't want to really. Be, but you don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, oh, you must be fun at parties because someone asks you like, would you rather this or rather that, and someone's like, well, you know, there's twelve different versions. And it's like, all right, it's a fucking dumb question. Yes, I'm, but I'm just yeah, making yeah, yeah. a point about the type of question yeah. I'm thinking. I'm saying it's it's hard I get, to I get. really. The reason I'm focus asking it. is because I don't know what the correct answer is. I know. I, mean, I think that's the point. Um. It says here, Damon Lindelof has called, and I have not seen this film, the 1977 Peter Weir film, The Last Wave. Have you heard of this movie, Brett? But he, uh, yeah, I'm aware of it. I haven't seen it, though. He calls it a big quote, a big in- inspiration for, and potentially an actual prequel of season three of The Leftovers, noting that David Gulpil- Gul- Gulpilil plays characters named... Chris in both works. Oh, the guy that plays Christopher Sunday, I guess. Implying that his Sydney-dwelling Aboriginal character in The Last Wave, Chris Lee, might have matured into Christopher Sunday. Notably, Weir's film is in part about increasingly abhorrent weather in Australia. And a man named David Burton. Are we watching that next? Yes. And a man named David Burton who has apocalyptic visions of a flood that will end the world. Note that while the show's David Burton was almost certainly named in tribute to the Weir film, they are clearly not the same character. Whoa. Lindelof and Scott Glenn have also mentioned Bruce Chatwin's 1987 book, The Song Lines, as a major influence on this episode. Ooh, what's The Song Lines? Let's find out. It's a book written by Bruce Chatwin combining fiction and nonfiction. Chatwin describes a trip to Australia, which he has taken for the express purpose of researching Aboriginal song and its connections to nomadic travel. Discussions with Australians, many of them indigenous Australians, yield insights into outback culture, Aboriginal culture and religion, and the Aboriginal land rights movement. Hmm. Hmm. Chatwin develops his thesis about the primordial nature of Aboriginal song. The writing engages the hard conditions of life for present-day Indigenous Australians while appreciating the art and culture of the people for whom the song lines are touchstone of reality. Cool. A lot of, lot of depth here. Um, song lines in... And this is back to the leftovers. Song lines in Aboriginal culture trace the paths of the creator beings who gave shape to the formless land and also serve as geographical descriptors of key landmarks and holy sites, permitting the singer to navigate the land. They are also heavily encoded with knowledge of local flora and fauna, passing key survival information down across generations. Kevin Sr. seems to be only interested in the rituals that are performed at holy sites along the song line. It said what? Permitting the singer to navigate the land? Navigate the land. So it's like survival, almost. Survival information. According to Kevin Sr.'s map, the tribe whose song he steals at the beginning of the episode is the Band Jigali. Kevin Sr. recognizes Sharon's snake art as Papunya. 
Kevin Sr. claims to be initiated. Oh, yeah. Yemen Jared. I was curious if that meant something more. Yeah, I mean, I think there's just like a snake thing kind of going on. S- yeah. Seeing as the snake is his totem. There's a great, which, there's a great clip in there. I think, uh, <laughs> I think the snake things seem to also be kind of like um, a, a marker of um, of him being in the correct place, maybe, because it seems like his totem is leading him to where he needs to go or something. I, I was, know. I was really bothered mm-hmm. by his the conflict in that episode and his character between seemingly like following whatever his guidance is, the universe, whatever, following his guidance and trusting it, the like higher, the higher powers path for him versus him trying to like fuck with things and manipulate them and force things into happening. Like to me, those are super opposing forces and he, he's fighting it and through the whole up, but he's fighting it thinking that this is how he gets to do the right thing. And I'm like, Either he follows the guided path and it will show itself and he's always in the right place at the right time if he's following it. So like no worries there. Or he has to fight to do the thing that he knows is the right thing to do. It's not like you need to be like fighting and fucking with things and ruining things and literally accidentally killing people and disrespecting cultures and shit in order to get to some place. But doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't it seem superhuman though? Like it seems really human. But that's to fight what I'm saying. It's the fight between yeah. being human and having faith. And I'm like, well, pick one, Dick. Um, here's one last kind of interesting thing. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if it's the last because there's actually a lot. Ke- his name's Kevin. <laughs> but um, it says remember Kevin. remember when Kevin Kevin's, remember when Kevin Senior yep. is uh, <laughs> listening to the Niagara tapes yes and it, i have so many notes and there's a moment when they're talking about some president being assassinated yes, yes. and things like that do An you remember that Brett? attempt that didn't work sorry do you remember brett yes do, does it ring a bell to you at all brett what he was what they were talking about <gasps> Ooh, interesting question i thought they were talking no like the conversation. Well, apparently they're talking about Taxi Driver, the movie, the Scorsese film. Really? Uh. Yeah, it says in the second excerpt from the Niagara 81 tape heard in the episode, um, Kevin Sr. At Senior, the very beginning. Yeah. I've never actually seen Kevin Sr. and Jr. discussed Travis Bickle, which is Robert De Niro's character in yeah. the film Taxi Driver, as well as John Hinckley Jr.'s real life attempted assassination of U.S. President Ronald Reagan. Hinckley was partially inspired by Bickle's assassination attempt hmm. against presidential hopeful Senator Palantine in Scorsese's film. Note the similarity yeah. between Travis Bickle's plot in the film and the portion of International Assassin when Kevin Jr. likewise attempts to assassinate Senator Patty. It Whoa. seems that the film's story continued to have a psychological impact on Kevin Jr. into adulthood. Whoa. He also talks about Duck, That's interesting. Ducks it's been Deuce. it's been a long time since I've Same. seen Taxi Driver. Same. Um yeah. Kevin Kevin Sr. alludes we'll to We'll do the... it we'll do it after the last wave. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch Last Wave and then we'll watch uh Taxi Driver. Kevin Sr. alludes to the Stolen Generations, a period in Australian history from roughly 1905 to 1967 when various Australian federal and state agencies enacted broad legislation permitting the government to remove half-caste, which is mixed-race children, from their Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mothers in order to attempt to integrate them into white society. (gasps) 
dope. The purported rationales included the hypothesis that original Aboriginal peoples were di- were dying out due to the reduction in their population after contact with whites, and the imperialist argument that the living circumstances wait that the living circumstances in the indigenous culture were tantamount to neglect from which the children needed to be saved as sharon says in the episode the australian government did issue a formal apology for this treatment in 2008 interesting learning a lot about australia here yeah. man um let's see the scene of the man self-immolating is an homage what to very uh, lighting yourself on fire oh. Is very similar to a scene in Nicholas Rogue's 1971 film Walkabout, even using the same type of car. Lindelof wanted to even use the same song as the film, which was Rod Stewart's Gasoline Alley, but the rights were too expensive. Wow. A lot of fucking around in this season, which I love so much. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, this episode. A lot of I like this. Let's do this. <laughs> right. This is funny. Let's do this. Scott Glenn has called the script for this episode possibly the best script he has ever been given and one of the greatest gifts of his life. He's the guy that plays uh, Kevin Sr. Whoa. He has also said it was one of the three times in his career that a script played him and he felt that all he had to do as an actor was stay out of the way. The other two instances being the film Urban Cowboy and the play Killer Joe... The latter was coincidentally written by Carrie Coon's husband, Tracy Letts. What? Before receiving the script, Glenn asked Lindelof how he could prepare, and Lindelof told him to read Bruce Chatwin's 1987 book, The Song Lines, research the indigenous peoples of Australia, and buy a didgeridoo and learn to play it. Glenn has also credited Karen Pryor's Don't Shoot the Dog, a book on operant conditioning, which he happened to be reading at the time, as being very influential on his discovery of new ways to prepare himself for scenes. Upon arriving in Australia, Glenn trained with indigenous people, learning their songs and dances. Wow. Super cool. Before shooting the scene where Kevin Sr. performs the indigenous dance, the entire set, including the crew, had to go through a cleansing ceremony with chanting and smoke. Scott Glenn says that when director Mimi Leader asked him what she could do to help him film the scene where he would be mostly naked and dancing, he jokingly requested a bottle of Don Julio 42, which Leader duly duly obtained. All right. Um, How about... How about when the actual indigenous tribe did the song at the beginning? Yeah. And it was filmed. I I don't know. I, I... immediately thought of the the difficulty and complication of of shooting that communicating that capturing that correctly uh thought that was really interesting yeah yeah really cool stuff and also like you you don't really get to explore australia and aboriginal cultures in like television really as far as i know not from the u.s not from the u.s we have such a physical distance too i think that's part of it yeah it's so foreign to americans but getting to australia is like 22 hours right from california even in the show they were like it's a long Mm -hmm. flight it's (laughs) it's physically far and i feel like it's so stupid but i think america really 
distances culture based on their distances. Um, I know we're spending a lot of time on this episode, but, but this one m- has more to talk about I think, has, than the other one. And it also has some interesting stuff from Damon Lindelof also here really <gasps> quick. It says Dem- Damon Lindelof has said that since 2% of the world's population disappeared in the departure, he is comfortable with 2% of the world of the show being supernatural and he has said he knows what the 2% is in his own interpretation while acknowledging that Tom Parada and other writers might feel differently. Despite that approach, the show has generally also striven to always leave open a real-world interpretation of each seemingly supernatural event, letting each audience member decide what, if any, events are supernatural, magical, religious, outside of the departure itself. This episode seems to contain the one instance of an impossible to contradict supernatural event. Do you guys know what it is? Is it seeing the kids? It's is it Kevin Sr. inadvertently reveals that Kevin Jr.'s vision of Sr., an international assassin, reflected very specific details that Jr. had no way of knowing about the name of the drug, the hotel right. room in Perth, right. the, blur- the burning mattress, mm. and the war paint. Lindelof has stated that he believes Kevin Sr. had accessed the dream time in that moment with Kevin Jr. either also being in the dream time or merely receiving transmissions from it. Yep. However, Lindelof seems to treat the dream time as something neither supernatural nor psychological, noting that aboriginals consider it a tangible place. Wow. Wow. There's a loose definition of tangible there, I would think, but I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I wish there was more. I wish the percentage was higher. Me too. I know. 2%. I'm like, but 2%, but 2% 2%, 2%, ain't shit. (laughs) 2% is just It makes me worry that, uh, that everyone's going to be crazy and we're not going to get a lot of good answers. How about some half and half, y'all? Um... How about some regular milk? The producers had hoped to build... The producers had hoped to build Grace's Ranch at Hanging Rock, the location most famous for the disappearance of several girls in the novel Picnic at Hanging Rock and Peter Weir's 1975 film adaptation. I guess we got another movie to watch, which was a major... In the Amazon Prime series. <laughs> that one's on HBO. And it's on HBO Max, too, in HBO the Turner section. Max. Yeah. Which was a major influence on Wait, season... Wait, what? Picnic at Hanging Rock? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a Prime series, no? Well, no, the movie. The OG movie. We're talking oh, about the movie. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. which, which was a major influence on season two of The Leftovers. The cost ended up being prohibitive, and the house was instead built in Yu Yang's Regional Park. Okay. That's what I call my regional was. park. Um, in the book, Kevin Jr.'s mother <laughs> is deceased, but her fate is never directly elaborated upon. The book merely says that both Kevin's parents are gone and that he inherited the family business about 16 years before the start of the book, presumably placing both his parents' deaths before that. Whose parents? Kevin's. Senior. And Sr. Kevin Sr. Kevin Sr. And oh. Kevin Jr.'s mom is dead, which was Kevin Sr.'s wife. Yeah, which Prancer. All right. Well, that's super interesting. Let's see what happens in the emails. You know, maybe we miss Wait, some shit. Do you but want to talk really... about the next app? Yeah, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. All right. Next episode is called Good Day Melbourne. Wait, before we do that, can I just say my themes? Oh, sure. My themes for episode three are purpose, the idea of charting your own course and being tested, and what faith can do to you. Like how 
faith can like completely break you and kill you or not. Those are my themes. Mm-hmm. Great. Love it. Um, Good day, it, Melbourne. It really seems like, again, there's nothing here about this episode. Really? Nice work, Lost Leftoverspedia. <laughs> There's really nothing to say. I mean, you know. <laughs> I know. This what a what a throwaway episode this was. <laughs> but we see Evie and we get Kevin in a hotel again. Which did you guys notice that anytime they were in the hotel room there was like opera music playing? Yes. And there was also yes. opera music playing when he was like dead in yes. the hotel. That's really interesting. Yes. Hmm. I thought the same Things. It's so, hotel music, guys. <laughs> What's going on with Nora, you guys? She's like really losing it. She's she's no. She bought in on the. She bought in. Yeah, and she's being. She's, I think that she doesn't. She thought that things would go back to normal with Kevin and the new baby, and then the new baby was taken away from her, mm. and she's like, "Fuck this life. I will get evaporated by radiation." If there's a point zero zero one percent chance I'll see my kids again, do you think she was going to um, go through? So with yeah, it? I okay. think she was like, I don't care if I die. Mm. Like I'm happy to die, but this is also something that I'm willing to give uh, the possibility to. Yeah, and and my thought is what to answer your question yeah. too, Alana, and to piggyback off what you're saying, Brett, is um, I think that her interest was peaked. And I think she was using the fact that she works at the departure or sudden departures place as like the bigger push for her to go investigate it. I think that was her excuse for why she would allow herself to do it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think she was definitely lying to Kevin about doing a sting operation or whatever. And I think that maybe when she was there, she was really like acting like she was going to bust them. And I think that when they denied her is then when she was like, what? Now I'm being challenged? Oh, fuck them. I'm going to fucking do this thing. And I think now she, like, nothing will stop her. Like, her mission now is to do it. And I think before it was, like, wavering on, like, potential. And now that she's being challenged. Interesting. I think, I mean, maybe, I think she maybe didn't realize how much she was, like, betting on this being the end of her, like, struggle of having to deal with her life post the just you know the um the poofing and i think that she it was taken away from her like this was her this is her escape yeah she was going to either die or be reunited with her family yeah she was all in on both of those possibilities and the fact that i think they took it away from her i think she was in her i think her defense to kevin was was a a blatant lie i think she brought him or let him come to australia because she knew his dad was there and she's like, well, he can go reconnect with his father and, you know, I'll be gone. It doesn't matter anymore. You yeah. Know? I think she brought him because she was hoping he'd stop her. Like how she mentions why didn't he stop oh, her from, really? from giving up the baby? I mean, it. I. that's interesting. And I think that's what stops her. That's where her question is about whether she's going to go through the thing and die when she's like unsure. Because I'm, I'm with you. I think she's unsure if she's going to do it or not. Initially, and, yeah. Yeah, and I think her it's it's her toying between, I mean, obviously the Kevin life and her old life and mm-hmm. the pain of it, and embracing being in this Kevin life that's like really fucked up and shit, and she doesn't have ki- her kids and stuff like that, or letting everything go and just dying, and and also like I think because Kevin straight up is like, why don't you go fucking 
find your family then or like why don't you go be oh, with them he was so harsh and they were all so harsh at like, the end. i was like well broken inside the fact that he said why don't you go be with your family then makes me feel like she's definitely she, do that it. was her last reason to like not do it which was kevin you know really being like don't do this but the fact that he was like fuck you go yeah find but them. you don't think that kevin is also like full scorched earth at this oh point. yeah but i don't Evie, think she realizes it's like that. I, that thing, I killed Patty and it didn't fix. I'm still fucked up. He threw yeah. John under the bus with the book. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, go be with your family. I think he just does not give a shit anymore. I think he's just feeling like. He lit the book on fire. He lit, he lit the Bible yeah. on fire. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't give a shit and anymore. I, I also love that like him throwing John under the bus is really kind of also his his like scraping his way down to the to the bottom of the barrel by taking people down with him and and being like all right you know what Lori, you think i'm fucking crazy because i thought i saw evie well ask your fucking boyfriend or fiance or husband or whatever you ask him about the fucking book yes so that he could be like see i'm not crazy because they're writing that i'm fucking jesus well i don't think it's him saying well i'm not crazy i think it's him saying everyone's fucking crazy crazy. stop acting like you're on your high horse and that i'm like this huge problem like yeah. we're all a fucking problem yeah and i think like um kevin's like in a place too where he's just kind of like nobody knows what kevin's going through really other than Lori right now too and, she and barely i think knows the tip and he really nailed it too when he said to to uh, nora. uh nora that he was like we don't fucking talk we don't talk about this shit yep and it's truly like they're off doing their own things and well, it's not that they don't talk about it. He said, last time we talked about this, you left. Yeah, but right. also he said they don't talk in general about stuff. And I think both are, I mean, obviously both are true. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is is like yeah. a kind of like distant Nora and Kevin because they're now in the thick of like their own motivations and their own journeys or whatever. But they're just not like letting each other in on it because both of their explanations are pretty ridiculous. Like both of them are like, going through some pretty ridiculous shit like Nora's like I might get zapped in a radiation box because I think I might see my family and Kevin's like I just saw Evie and I might be Jesus (laughs) it's like and it's like I keep dying and coming back to life yeah and I went to the afterlife and multiple times they haven't even talked to her he hasn't told her anything about that I feel like they only spoke in the beginning of the relationship because he's afraid to because he's afraid to just like Nora's afraid to say I want to be yeah and that's why I think that he's like fuck this man I don't care same with Nora the thing is is they're both in very similar ridiculous places they just need to talk it out and trust each other but it's both so ridiculous that the other person will be like you want to fucking die and the other girl's gonna be like and Nora's gonna be like you think you're jesus it's just never gonna work yeah sadly it seems like it's i am i found myself believing the doctors in the empty warehouse i know they seem really i just was like Oh, yeah, we got to find out who that you girl is. Gonna... Yeah, sorry, I'll find out right now. I'm not allowed to Google things about the show, obviously. Alana reasons. wants to know who the scientist girl was because she the recognized her. The lead scientist her. girl. I know her from something so strong, and it bothered me the full episode. Um, But you're right, Brett. I also kind of believe them because they seem the most legit of all Well, you the... know, I just was like, yeah, I, that's like whatever they figured out, it's more than just crazy people mm. you know bombarding people with radiation right because even bo- that physicist was like the person that created this thing fucking went went through yeah yeah <laughs> so it's yeah. like holy shit i don't know if i 
particularly believed them or not, but I will say what bothered me most, I love the little details in their characters. Oh my God. I could think for hours on what those might mean and Ooh, why the piano and why were they doing each this? Other and the, yeah. And even what she language even was it? it? It's some form of French. I don't yeah. think, I don't think it was actually French though. Like maybe it was some French adjacent language, but what, what, what was she playing on the piano when we met them? Oh, take on me. Yeah, but and, what annoyed me like, most yeah, yeah, in the whole episode was the sardines. <laughs> oh, yeah, she, she pops a damn can of <laughs> sardines and eats them straight. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. Have you never done that? No, <laughs> I would never. Oh, but I know some people do <laughs> it. Yeah, but... you guys gotta live a little. You know, it was certainly an extreme. You gotta have some quarantine sardines. <laughs> quarantine. Quarantine sardines. Quarantines. All right. Well, oh, she was in Westworld. Westworld. That's it. She's so much in Westworld. Which one in Westworld? She's the daughter, and she's so fucking the daughter good. Of who? Oh, yeah. She's so she's good so in Westworld. Good. That's, that's right. why. In that's that, why in that she's India so big in Westworld place. She's the one that's yes. like hunting and that's shit. That's why yeah, she's yeah, such yeah. a. That's why right. it bothers. And got she's it. so hot too. Check. In that. Got it. Got it. Jackpot. They're All right. salty, yeah, so the you're gonna jackpot? want a lot of water. <laughs> All right. Water let's let's jump into the what? Jackpot. Oh, jackpot. You want a jackpot? Here. I want a jackpot, jackpot, please. All right. Let's jump into the fucking clips, for God's sakes. Because we're we talk so much. Actually, we're pretty good. We're doing our. We didn't even talk about Muslim Evie, but whatever, it's fine. I know. Let's do it. let's it's jump all in spoken clips. for. Let's just jump into clips, and then we'll we'll the emails will kick us in. What are you holding, Brett? <laughs> oh shit! We got clips here again, please. Did somebody Prayers say? Just stupid. <laughs> she was taking. Yeah, that was last week. Him. You missed it. Dude, I listened to all but thirty minutes because this podcast had to start recording, and I didn't have time to Those it. boots. All right. Those brutes. Kevin. I, I just wanted you to come get better with some great group therapy from my mommy. <laughs> All right. Let's listen, <laughs> let's listen to these clips. Brett did a great job with clips. Here's you don't our, know that yet. Here's our friend. Well, you Do got a lot the of clips them. Theme? So I think you did a great job. That was the clips theme. Oh, just that quickie boy? Yeah. Oh, okay. well, was there another one? You like, there's a different one? No, oh, boy. shit. Is it this one? You got yourself a fish biscuit. You got yourself a clips. Is that the one? Or is it I don't one? know. We just play the. Yeah, there's the longer the one. Fuck, is it that one? The fuck? I can't tell if it's clips or emails. Clips? They're clips. Yes, clips. Well, I played the new clips. Clips, clips. <laughs> so I mean, are you gonna choke me or what? You wrote it. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Wait, wait. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> also, my themes for this last episode were insanity or faith and how they're mm. intertwined. All right. Here's our ducks mm -hmm. clip. Ducks go down. Ducks come up. This is the natural order of things, son. <laughs> Lana, I really love that one. Here's the next one. What are you doing? Preventing the apocalypse. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> That's like a, a very nice commercial. <coughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> That's great. That makes There's a no lot of uh, language in these clips. Oh, good. That makes no fucking sense at all. <laughs> oh, I love that! That's, very good. That's a yeah. very usable clip. Uh, best of luck with that, Kevin. Go fuck yourself, Matt. <laughs> 
ourselves. Go so fuck, I said, fuck yeah, go I want to talk to God. <laughs> Wait, let's hear that twice. So I said, fuck yeah, I want to talk to God. <laughs> fuck me! Fucking, fucking, fuck, fuck, fuck! <laughs> fuck. Oh Where's the Ozymandias clip? Oh, Seriously. shit! Fuck, I don't, I don't have it anymore. Those would blend nicely. I need to eat you. I need to eat you. I need to eat you. <laughs> I need to eat you. Kevin. Yeah? Go fuck yourself. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, people tell each other to go fuck themselves a lot. In this this show. show has a favorite swear phrase. Oh man. Are you gonna follow me, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin is just that, that a That makes no fucking sense at all. Alright. Good clips, Brett. Good clips, Brett. That's borderline <laughs> racist, clips, what that is. Okay, let's jump into fucking emails, right? I'm so disappointed you don't have yeah. last week's clip. Which one? That one that was really funny. I kept repeating party? when I was listening. Yeah, the you party one. You gotta talk one. into the mic. The party one. Put it more, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was looking at you. Oh, okay. Well, I was maybe. hoping you would secretly catch my- Which one? Catch what I was saying before. Which it was clip was a... it? Brett, the party one. How does it go? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have it. A I party? Have it. I have it right here. Yeah. Hang on. Where is it? Uh, I've been digging it all day. Fuck. I just had it in here. Fuck. Well, I'll earlier this it. episode, you said you took it off. All right. Well, I'll find it. Oh, here it is. Oh, my God. A party? All right. Let's get some... <laughs> I love it. Let's get some emails. Kevin. Took your top. Hi. 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 Look who's here. Your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Oh, shit! Billy Ray! Officer Mustard Stain. Time for some emails. Don't busy dig. Will you just kill the. Okay, guys, I have some emails music that I curated from. Ooh, I don't want to use that app. Excuse me. Oh. I curated from, um, I guess they're not really a sponsor, but. Um, epic sound. Epic. Uh, epic. Uh, epidemic sound. Dude, I also am using them, and if they wanted to give me a free subscription, that'd be great. Well, Epidemic has proudly given us access to their uh, library, thanks to Joe Beretta and his fine connection to Epidemic Sound and the well, Valleycast. Yes, so very kind. Relationship with Epidemic Sound, but uh, yeah, so we have some something similar to the Herb Albert tracks we used to play back in the day during the emails, but uh, yeah. Brett, can you hear it? I mean, it's a total nightmare, but it's going to sound great on the podcast. What is it? What is a nightmare to you? The way Discord works is every time Alana or I speak, the music cuts out. Oh, I see. Okay. But you can hear it, and it's, and it's okay? But I can hear it, and it's worth it. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, the audience is going to goddamn love it, I'm sure of it. Uh, and so will Brett when he hears it on the episode. <laughs> I agree. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm here for it. Kainoa Nakamoto sends an email saying, Kainoa? This show, Kainoa. Kainoa, that's a Hawaiian name. This is my favorite show of all time, and season three brings it to a beautiful finish. This season, Justin Thoreau has been amazing. Spoilers. <laughs> 
uh, bringing that man who has everything but isn't happy is pitch perfect. And also, he's looking super hot this season, I'm just going to say. <laughs> Dude, they're trying to make him look like Jesus, right? I don't know. I Hot think they're Jesus. giving all the guys beards to be very biblical, which I feel. Yeah, but like his it's... hair is is growing long and crazy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's so like, beardly. They're, they're definitely going for a Jesus vibe. Uh, Carrie Coon is one of the best actresses I've ever seen, being sweet and understanding and snaps to an unhinged mother and wife who has lost everything. Mm-hmm. Having these two lead a beast full of amazing actors and characters was amazing to watch. Get ready, the season gets even weirder. But would we want anything else? I certainly wouldn't. Sent from my iPhone. No. 32 iPhones. Thanks, Kaino. <laughs> you don't want it to get weirder, Brett? No, I want it to get weirder. Oh, okay. Guys, I Be- wouldn't want anything else. Beto. <laughs> Beto! Beto is here, Beto! ladies and gentlemen. Hong uh, Kong. <laughs> don't Will you just kill the um, Beto says, hello, bo- beep boys. I think I can speak for everyone when I say, we missed you, Alana. Oh, thanks. There, literally a butterfly went by the window oh. as you said that. Really close to us. Mustache yeah, Patty there. is cool, but he ain't no Alana. Mustache <laughs> Patty. 303, Kevin Sr. did cultural appropriation before it was cool. I want to watch a whole season of everything Kevin Sr. told Chris Sunday with the whole acid trip and Tony the Chicken. Yeah, interesting, truly. Who's got it's crazy to think that people are listening to this show that didn't listen to The Lost Run and didn't know Owen. <laughs> he probably <laughs> seems like he came out of nowhere. Yeah, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I've never seen yeah. him in anything. Uh, I didn't think about that. That's so funny. Um, who's got the best fuck segment? Kevin oh Sr. or Ozymandias? I mean, we got Oz- them both. We'll compare and contrast next week. I will have to say Ozymandias, but... I say Kevin Sr. Um, Grace said that at the moment of departure, she saw the register girl vanish in front of her and that she took a box of Weetabix with her. What are the implications of this? People driving while holding the steering wheel did not take the car with them. <laughs> they did take their clothes and shit. What do you guys think? I don't know. We talked about it, but it's super fascinating to me. Yeah. Shocker. The register here. girl is what people call my wife. <laughs> here comes the register girl. <laughs> yeah, the register girl is coming. 304. Are you going to follow me? Yeah. I don't know what you guys were talking about the last episode. This is a healthy relationship if I ever saw one. (laughs) So the guy that burned himself said that he would not kill the baby in order to cure cancer. So is not the answer that counts, but probably the way you answer it? Yeah, that's what we were saying. Yeah, that's our guess. Guys, I'm very sorry, but I will have to disrespect the format for the next episode. I'm doing Don't a, do it. I'm doing a pilgrimage type deal, walking over 100 miles in a week from France to Spain. I don't think I'll be able to watch much on the way. I'll prepare the email for Download the next Download it onto episode. your iPhone. Wait, please. This week, waiting for the final two episodes or two weeks will be hard, but I will not disrespect the format any further. Keep clean until okay. then. Don Beto. Wait, Beto, please write to us about this pilgrimage. Yeah, tell us more. And also I the name of it, because a friend of mine did a pilgrimage in that same area, and I think this is the famous one, but I don't know. Is it a walkabout? I, I can't think of the name of it. There's a name. 
Um, it's like, you more. must be lost. <laughs> Maggie Faff sends us an email. Very good, Brett. Very good, Brett. Uh, hey, boys and girl. It's me, Maggie Faff. Pronounced like Paff. That's right. I'll never remember. Fuck you. You're not Oshin. <laughs> I've been loving the addition of Owen again. <laughs> yeah, and just like that, he's departed. Here are some of my very random <laughs> he thoughts. He disappeared before our eyes. <laughs> yeah, he took a box of cigarettes with him. Here are some of my very random thoughts from the episode. Crazy white fella thinking, um, this is a little cultural appropriation-y for me. Okay. I ship Sharon He's and Kevin Senior. trying to Senior. save the world. Yeah. Wait, she ships Sharon? Sharon. Who's Sharon? Are we talking about- Is Sharon about... the name of the actress? I hope Sharon's not, is Sharon Grace? Her name's Grace. Yeah. I don't know. Is Unless Sharon the one Grace. that uh, was gonna had to go with him? I think she messed yeah, up. Yeah, that's she great. Grace. The woman that painted the that painted oh. the snake. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> well, that's a weird ship because she clearly doesn't like him at all. I think she means Grace. I can tell Mimi Leader directed this one. That camera work is Chef's kiss. The actor choice for Chris Sunday is so good. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Good day, Melbourne. Kevin runs like a damn dork. I've never seen the chase a bus scene trope end with them actually catching the bus. I appreciated it. Ooh. Kevin, you have a lot of apologizing mm. to do. Thanks and lots of love, Maggie O'Sheen. Maggie O'Sheen? Did she <laughs> come off? No, that's her? what I said. Oh, that's funny. Someone sends an email that just says, Happy Kevin, and there's a picture there of Kevin with his little paper crown. It, it looks like it says, Kevin. this meme was made for the first time show podcast only. Any use, use of this meme outside of the podcast will be met with a cease and desist order. Don't worry, no one's using that. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Arigatakasemas. So, Chris, yes? yes? One thing real quick. Uh, Keith Christ? Gordon, my favorite, Love he directed Don't Be Ridiculous. Oh, we right. We missed it. Right. Oh, shit. Bummer. Yeah. The Episode guy from Christine, two. yeah. I knew don't he had directed one and three, but I didn't want to check. Oh, And then after these two episodes last night, I was like, did I miss uh, who directed the second episode? And it wasn't Keith Gordon, but Keith Gordon did direct Don't Be Ridiculous. Don't Be so Ridiculous. He's got some hits. Wow. Just like a Jack Bender. Yeah. yeah. Christodulus, Christodulus Messios says hello bb boys and girl i just recently decided to start the leftovers and try to catch up on the podcast after watching just the first episode of the show i am hoping to catch up just before the last episode so it goes full circle this this are my main theories after watching the first episode we'll never know why or Fair how enough. or where they went matrix situation where they were unplugged and are in the real world Alternate universe situation where the world's split and 2% is in another world where the 98% is gone. I like seeing I like the that, that it's the out. Matrix and one of the towers like lost power. Yeah. And, then, and, and they all woke <laughs> up. In both scenarios, two and three, I hope season two, we get to see the other side kind of like that. Tailey's from Lost episode where we caught up with the rest of the plane survivors and hopefully in season three they discover each other and try to connect or at least communicate kind of like the later mm -hmm. seasons of Fringe. Anyway, thanks for the entertainment. Just spoiling shows left and right, Chris. Thanks for the <laughs> entertainment and I guess I'll send another Don't email listen, Alana. when I catch up. Great Spoiled job, Chris. Milk. 
you, Jerry, friend of the show, has sent a lot of clips. Very many clips. He says, I finally catched up and I have some clips. Some are from previous episodes, but I removed the ones you already grabbed. Some are from the current episodes, so I'm just hoping we didn't pull the same ones. All right, you, Jerry. I'll humor you, my friend. Let's listen to this first one. I didn't go back and get the uh, the good morning clip. Oh, was there a good morning? From episode one oh, of season oh, oh, that's three. Right, that's, right, that's right, that's <clears> right. <throat> All right. Well, here's the first clip from you, Jerry. Here we go. You cannot trust the mind, for it will play tricks on you. And we, we all know who tricks are for. <laughs> Kids. <laughs> okay. What? That's a good one. That's when. One. That's when. Uh, when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Kevin's remember. talking to Holy Wayne now. in the afterlife. I remember now. Yeah. The okay. hotel after. Here's another clip. One. Oh, there's the good morning. Is that it? There we go. I was hoping. I was hoping. He John says good morning. This one's called "Is That but Your Book?" More. If you come to me, but will not leave your family, you cannot be my follower. Is that from your book? No, Kevin. That's Jesus. <laughs> okay. This one's called "Pancakes." Right. Let's get to those pancakes. Are you ready, Georgie? Oh yes, I am, Pam. Come on over. <laughs> Was that was a great was moment. Hoping yeah. someone would pull. That's good. This one's called John. Brought y'all some supper. <laughs> okay. This one's called. It's the last one. It's called reusable clip. We'll see about that. Reusable tool. discrimination is illegal. <laughs> All right. What is her name? Discrimination. Oh yeah, it's where she gives the baby back. Um, Dan Lucas, which is not real. Dan sent a thought, a Dan's thoughts that just says and. and. Did your email warn you again? No, this time it didn't. But it does say to translate from Indonesian to English. <laughs> read, just read it in Indonesian. I wish I could, but it won't let me retranslate it for some reason. Charlie and... Breadstick says, episodes. Hey, sexy boys. Here's Charlie Breadstick with Dan's thoughts. Oh, we got to get our music back. Sorry, it sounds so silent right now. Hey, sexy boys. Here's Charlie Breadstick with Dan's thoughts. I love to watch programs. These episodes smacked like a ham, and I personally got a little penis touch in... During episode four, which got me through the garbage predictable plot. Wait. Something's telling me you're not watching the show, Charlie. Penis touch? Guys, Max, Jianjing Max sends an email saying, Kevin runs like he's holding something in his armpits. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, Alana. Thank you. Wow, these two episodes were great. Take On Me is one of my all-time favorite songs. Agreed, same here. Just a question in theory this week. How would you have answered that question by the physicist? We did. We did. I, I think I would have asked what the other baby was destined to do. Maybe that yeah. other baby also has an important purpose. <gasps> and what do you guys think exploded? Mm. Could it be a dam causing the floods Kev Kevin Sr. was talking about? What are you... Or maybe some sort of nuclear Ooh, that's power interesting. plant. Oh, yeah. From that guy at the airport with Remember the hazmat at the suit. End? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said there was an explosion. Can't believe we were already half through the halfway through the final season. This is Max Toe reporting. 
Thanks, Max. Can't believe it's not butter. Joseph- Here's the thing. Oh. I also felt uh, that Kevin was running weird. And I, I think it was the jacket was they put him in. When was he running? He was uh, running like this. It was like this. And he waved that car along, but it felt like he couldn't lift his arms up to like properly run. Was it when he was getting to the taxi to 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 go to the TV studio to see Evie? No, it's when he was chasing Evie. Oh, when he saw that she had the wrap. Yeah, it it was like I'm not even doing it. It was almost like this was all he can move, and he was like waving (laughs) the car along, and then he ran after her. It seemed very strange. I'm there for it, guys. Make sure I'm there for that email. The video version of the podcast at youtube.com slash thevalleycast to watch Brett, Ron, like Justin Thoreau. <laughs> I was quite entertained, and I can imagine you would be as well. You Thank definitely you, are missing out if it's audio only. I think that was a pretty that was a pretty spot on accurate representation. We'll check with the judges afterwards. Joseph O'Malley sends okay, an email please. saying, Good eye, Steve, Brett, and Eleanor and Orin. <laughs> Hopefully, a full house this way. Oh my god! <laughs> some pretty straight- no, no. Some pretty straightforward episodes. It took a weird left turn. <laughs> some pretty straightforward episodes this week. So here's little to theorize about, other than why both Nora and the man who commits self-immolation were rejected by the scientists, despite answering the cancer baby question differently. So instead, I'll just gush about how much I love the melodrama of these two episodes and the whole series. I suppose. I feel like calling media melodramatic has such negative connotations nowadays because every show or film seems to be either grounded in gritty realism or a sardonic self-awareness. Sardines. But sardines. Did somebody suggest sardines. But the sardines. Inter- but the interpersonal conflicts in this show are so completely intentionally and earnestly melodramatic and I for one love it. Yes, this show will occasionally make fun of how ridiculous its supernatural situations can sometimes be, but it always takes itself seriously when it comes to the characters. Classical music plays over Kevin telling Nora to go be with her disappeared family while a fire rages in the background, and all without a hint of irony. It doesn't get much better than that. Sorry for being so long-winded in all my emails, but I just love this show so much, and I don't get a chance to talk about it with anyone else because no one's bloody seen it. So thanks again for doing this podcast, and see you next week for the Matt episode you might actually enjoy. I don't want to get your hopes up too much, but it's a little higher, a little lighter than the last two. What if Nora is meant teaser. to be... I yeah. know, real teaser. Rumple teaser over here. What if Nora is meant to be like Mary Magdalene? I've heard you say that, or I've heard somebody theorize about it, or something about how Mary is Mary and the child could be Jesus or something, the baby she was having. Um, Daniela C. sends an email saying, about Australia and the stolen generation. Oh. Ooh, infarmash. Hi, first timers. I wanted to mention something about episode three. It might be a bit too long, but please read it. When Kevin Sr. goes to the office to look for Christopher Sunday, the lady tells him he should be ashamed for stealing from Aboriginal people, to which he replies, same way your government stole a whole generation of their children. And she replies, we apologize for that. Maybe you guys know, but for the ones who don't, there was something called the Stolen Generation. We talked about this. Thousands of families were broken because of it. Many people will still don't know. Place them in white orphanages or white families with the excuse that they wouldn't have a chance of a good life in Aboriginal communities. Thousands of families were broken because of it. Many people still don't know. 
their real families. Sorry, I think I messed that up a couple of times. This happened between 1900 and 1967. Only in 2008, the government officially apologized for it. Unfortunately, there's still a lot of racism in Australia, especially directed towards Aboriginal people. Really? Thanks for reading. I thought it was important to mention this. I like that the writers brought the. Oh, what was that? <laughs> I like that the writers Nora's brought this up. Nora's nearby. Last week's podcast was great. Cheers from Melbourne. P.S. I read that they wanted Scott Glenn to play Locke on Lost, but he didn't want to move to Hawaii. Whoa. Who's Scott Glenn? The Mr. guy who plays Senior. He's Kevin Senior. <gasps> Do you think that's true? Well, I mean, sure, but you, you got to understand they go through so many yeah, potential casting. actors yeah. for any character. Remember, like They'll just offer it out. My favorite lost, uh, but I definitely think they they made the right choice for law. Yeah, agreed. My favorite. Uh, did you ever see Stepfather, Brett? I'm sure you did. Did you ever see the Step horror Brothers? movies? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you oh, ever yeah. see Step the, the Stepmother? Old yeah, the old one stars Terry O'Quinn, who's. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay, but you yeah. remember that scene I was like, is Scott Glenn and Stepfather? No, it's Terry O'Quinn. It's Locke. But my yeah, favorite... Yeah, Terry O'Quinn. My favorite near casting potential was uh, Michael Keaton as Jack. Do you remember that? For Locke? Yeah. Yes. Isn't he a little old? Not then. Well, he wasn't supposed to be in it for very long. Yeah. If it was going to be Keaton, they were going to kill him off right away. Like right away. Oh. Yeah. Israel Chavez Lopez. Is he our intern? I can't remember. Is Chavlo. Let's, let's say yes until <laughs> we find out that we're wrong. He sends an email saying catheters and protagonist oh. syndrome. Hello, BB boys, and hopefully the BB girl is back for oh, this Alana episode. Oh, I didn't like that. Oh, the catheter. No, no. <laughs> of course she's back. Ecuadorian boy Israel here coming to you with some medical advice after these episodes. First oh. of all, if... For some bonkers reason, you wake up in a strange bed with a catheter coming out of your peepee, either your male hole. or female. You do not yank that boy out. Most catheters, <laughs> most catheters have a balloon. It's good to know. Most catheters have a balloon on the tip that we inflate when it gets to the bladder in order to keep them in place. Oh God! And if you just yank it out, you will cause yourself urethral trauma which is one of the most painful things you can do to yourself. No, I'm done hearing it. Okay, also, I will never. I wanted to briefly talk about how every main character in season three has some sort of messiah, messiah complex. They all think that they are the main character of their world and take everything that happens around them as a divine sign. When in reality, that's just people. Yeah, I will say I think it's normal to think you're the main character of your world, and you are the main character of your Certainly, world. Certainly, and however, especially in a post-apocalyptic two percent of the world disappeared type scenario. Sure, sure, but I, however, it would I think that. treating other people like they're less than you—that's where there's an issue. You should be the main character of your world, of course. And if you're not acting that way, you need to get out of your mother syndrome and care for yourself first. Oxygen mask, baby. Also, I just want to say really quick: think outside the bun. <laughs> Let's all salsa out of here. Try the new Taco Bell Grande. It's full of diarrhea. Oh my God, Steve, tell the diarrhea story. What was the diarrhea story? Yesterday, I went to take out the trash as Steve was singing and playing Yesterday? guitar. Yesterday? 
Yes, yesterday. And this Steve- is a diarrhea story from yesterday? Yes, Steve is singing and playing the guitar, and he was sitting, like, deep into the apartment. And I went to take out the trash. Oh, where I am now. And yeah. I was surprised to realize how loudly I could hear him. Having diarrhea. Because he wasn't singing that loud. <laughs> no, he was no. singing at, like, a me- I would call our medium level for what this apartment here is. You really- this is a really clickbaity story. Yeah, well, and then <laughs> I took out the trash, and I came back... <laughs> And I told him that I was surprised how well we could hear him. And then, She could hear me singing very well with the door closed. Yes. And then later, Steve and I just started singing a song about diarrhea because that those things happen. And we were singing it really loud. And we were very close to the wall of our apartment that is where other people could hear us. And for a second, Al- Alana was like... I stopped and I was like, Fuck, you people, know what? Everyone can hear this. Everyone can hear us singing, singing and about clapping diarrhea. about diarrhea. We were and so we got louder. Like diarrhea in <laughs> your mouth. I clicked on this video. <laughs> we were singing I know, about- Brett's so disappointed. I'm giving this a thumbs down. If Brett, we were- was, if Brett could go to the comments, he'd be like, not worth it. Skip this one. We were singing about diarrhea in your mouth, and we were clapping, and it was such a fun, sunny but song. But you forgot the most important part, which is we got louder. Yes, and then we screamed. And then Steve- we screamed about diarrhea. We sang a diarrhea then song as loud as we could. Steve turned to the wall and screamed at the wall about eating diarrhea and yeah. clapped along. Nobody <laughs> and I cares. Just loved well, but at this point, I'm just. I don't think the audience knows how many impromptu songs. I know. Oh, I know. It's very normal. Like it's 49 a day. And, but and also, it's increased since Alana like, moved this in. This isn't out of yeah. the. This isn't out of the ordinary. No, for but no, not at all. What makes it different though is now since COVID has happened, we are starting to know our neighbors a little better and know who they are a little mm-hmm. better because we're to seeing them neighbors. around the apartment and we're getting to know their personalities more. So it's a little bit scarier because there's a face. There's a face with. Uh, the reaction and that's the end next that's a that's an amazing taco bell commercial <laughs> um take everything that happens around them as a divine sign when in the reality the show tells us is mostly just random events nora and the metal detector kevin senior and the chicken story grace and the kevin cop drowning kevin jr and evie on tv these are all great short books do short you guys stories. think all of these events are part of a bigger plan or are they just red herrings Love you guys. Stay safe and wear a mask. I think they're neither. I think they're important things happening in each individual's life. And some of them unite to tell this story that we're watching. Beautiful. I think they're all adding up to being like, shit's weird. Exactly. I don't yeah. I don't think it makes sense that anything is a red herring when it exists in a person's life. Uh, Daniel Echo Spider sends us an email saying, if this is the end of Nora, I riot. Mm. Hi there, summer peeps. Quick clarification from last week. In my email, I meant I didn't know if it was in if I was into season three. The show is great. Mm. No fucking way do I get into a box. What about you guys? No. Oh, I'm. Ah, man, I'm. I'm one of those that's like, yeah, I don't think this is weird. This is fine. <laughs> like to make everybody feel comfortable, I would probably have gotten in the box, and then as soon as they close the lid, be like, fuck. I know. I'd get in the box, box and be like. Yeah, I'm not going to be in here for much longer. <laughs> I'm not going to be in here. <laughs> I think actually since they showed the box, it wasn't as small as I expected it to be. And I was kind of like, oh, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they left her in there for a while. I think I'd start to panic. Well, they said a like, few oh, minutes. Oh, damn it. They're going to leave me in this box. They said a few minutes and that you can push it open. Like but they purposefully holding it down or anything. And that to me is a big, like if I got in there in the first 30 seconds, I'd like tested it. I would have it. tested it. Yeah. yeah. I would have been like, mm. mm-hmm. 
Maybe that's why like, they didn't okay. choose her. Because they were like, oh, she's not afraid to die. Oh, maybe she was mm, too chill. Maybe they thought she wanted to die. Um, life lesson, never kill the baby. For a minute, I thought Nora exploded. Did y'all? Yeah. Lastly, never kill the baby. Exploded when? Yeah, I don't know what that means. It means the question about killing oh, the baby. Never oh, yeah, yeah. Him. When they talked about the explosion. Oh, where Nora it's like, exploded, no right. taxis because of the explosion. I also thought that the apartment had exploded. Yeah. Also, or not the apartment, the hotel, the hotel, the hotel. room. Yeah. Was it also, fire. how crazy is it that every time we're in a hotel room, there's a fire? Some kind too. of fire. I was, I was and the certain, alarm going off, When too. they first got in that hotel, I was like, By the way, the alarm going off made it less intense. Yeah, but like, the alarm going off was the exact a, same. But it was more fire memorable. Over here. It felt like more of a callback to if have the alarm, alarm hadn't gone off. I would have been more concerned. But I guess. the alarm was the callback to the Kevin exactly. in the hotel episode because it was like the same alarm. Exactly. Sound. That's what I was thinking. Um, as oh, soon I'm as, with it. I'm just saying. As soon as they got in that hotel, I was like, "When is there going to be a fire in here?" Lastly, take on me dance party. Daniel from Not Down Under sent from my no lady. I can take care of your baby. <laughs> John sends an email saying, "Hi gang, hope you're all doing By well." By the way, if someone came up to me and asked me to take care of their baby, so they could, I, I don't even know if I would acknowledge it long enough to have the like. No, I, I would immediately be like, "No, I'm not. I'm, there's no, absolutely no way I'm going to do that." I'd be like, hands up, and I'd just be like this. I would do it if I was like n not busy and shit. She knew that the bus was coming yeah, any minute. If I had and, nothing and, going on, I would do And it. the whole bus circumstance was like, you get on this bus or else. And it was about to happen any minute. And this person's going to do an interview. It's but not going to take one. They're like, I don't care if I'm minutes. like, I have to wait here for an hour and there's nothing for me to do. And she's like, I need you to watch my baby for five minutes. I would be like, there is no <laughs> way. There's absolutely well, no like you guys. situation on earth where I'm taking a stranger, a stranger's baby. No. Well, here's There's the thing, no Brett. Chance. I would have done it take, happily. You should take comfort in the fact that we would not have been chosen because she was chosen because she looked like a mom, I guess. Um, That's true. We true. look like creepy bearded men. You know, um, what percentage of murders are done by men versus women? You know what I mean? Hi, gang. Hope you're doing well. Watching these two episodes back to back was really great as they highlight one of my favorite things about the show, which is the use of pop songs. They're always carefully chosen and they add so much to the viewing experience. Love that they pick a different song for each episode over the opening credits to clue to the audience and the themes of the episode. Shout out to Liza Richardson, the show's music supervisor. Okay, Ooh. hell yeah. Mm. Scott Glenn had a gr gave a great performance in episode three and the Kevin Jr. and Nora argument in episode four definitely is one of the most heartbreaking moments of the show for me. Yes. It's a scene I rewatch often just to watch the great acting on display. What? Well, that's a depressing thing to keep watching. Be careful for your sanity. Also, best use of best use of take on me I've ever seen. Thanks so much for reading. Take care, John. All right, we're on the finish line Thanks, here, guys. John. Thank you, John. Someone Thank sent you for the emails, everybody. I'm oh, Daniel them. sent a video of the departure, and it looks like oh boy. he sent a video of the departure, and, and it looks like it Steve. looks like me. Well, I can't really watch it without covering a lot of hair. Oh, I see. It's just like my, uh, it's my Instagram story. They took one of his dancing balcony Instagram stories and made him kind of disappear. No, they did nothing with it. It was literally just the story I posted. I oh, did all the effects. and the filter it, yeah. made him kind of look disappear -y. <laughs> um, <laughs> Zishan, oh, Zishan is our intern. Fuck, I don't fucking know Is it Zishan or Zayshan? Who fucking knows? Oh, okay. Now I know how Oshin feels. 
You were doing so well, Steve, and then you bungled it. Hi, Foolish Killer, Fearless Commander, Arrogant Madman, and Violent Contender. Those are our Foolish Killer names. reporting in. Those are our ACP? Yeah. ICP names? Our, 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 no, 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 no. Our, um, no, our Wu-Tang, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, Clan names. names. I was yeah, going to say, Little Timmy Timmy. Um, if Violent Contender isn't here, bully him harder, please. <laughs> Episode three. We will. Yay, we're in Australia. Rise up, lights. Good eye, might. My bull fine. Is rise up lights My bull a thing? Fine. Yeah, rise up That's lights. That's how you say razor, how you say blades, razor blades in Australian. So. Oh, and what was the third one? Good eye, might, and my bull fine. My bull fine. What is that one? Do you believe my Kevin's dad actually has Australian Aboriginal blood in him, or has he gone full Rachel Dolezal? No, he's lying. Pretty good episode with an amazing monologue at the end. Grace's story was heartbreaking. Season three, episode yeah. four. I know I'm going to sound like a massive perv like usual, but <gasps> seriously, the sex scene between Nora and Kevin at the airport was hot as fuck. No, it was fine. The Eevee reveal scared the shit out of me. The sign she was holding saying Surah, Surah 81 Why? is a chapter from the Quran that <gasps> describes signs of the day of judgment. Here's an English translation. Oh my God, thank interested. you. Yes, please. Okay, the English translation says, in the name of God, the gracious, the merciful, when the sun is rolled up, when the stars are dimmed, when the mountains are set in motion, when the relationships are suspended, when the beasts are gathered, when the oceans are set aflame, when the souls are paired, when the girl buried alive is asked, for what crime was she killed? When the records are made public, when the sky is peeled away, when the fire is set ablaze, when paradise is brought near, each soul will know what it has readied. I swear by the galaxies precisely running their courses and by the night as it recedes and by the morn as it breathes, this is the speech of a noble messenger endowed with power eminent with the Lord of the throne. Obeyed and honest, your friend is not possessed. He saw him on the luminous horizon, and he does not withhold knowledge of the unseen, and it is not the word of an accursed devil. So where are you heading? It is only a reminder to all mankind, to whoever of you wills to go straight, but you cannot will unless God wills, the Lord of the worlds. I mean, you couldn't have a better sound background. That's perfect song. Yeah. Come to the new Sandals Resort for kids. You kids can wear bathing suits as tiny as they want. (laughs) Um, Oh, no. When when the girl buried alive (laughs) is asked for what crime was she killed, likely referring to Patty, when the records are made public, likely referring to the book of Kevin, and when the fire is set ablaze, can refer to the fire at the end of the apart in the apartment. Well, you mean hotel room? Brett said the same. Kevin and Nora's argument was so uncomfortable to watch. Nora sarcastically said they were in a toxic relationship in the beginning of the episode, and then she dealt with the reality of it at the end. Yep. Kevin Senior and Grace fucked, no question. Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. okay. (laughs) Never thought I'd be sad hearing take on me, but here we are. The final shot was amazing. Very excited to hear the first time show may continue for another year. Enjoy the clips. Pay attention to the name of the first one, Expert Overlord. P.S. What's your system for pulling clips, Brett? I want details. I, I write them down in my notepad on my phone as they happen, as opposed to previously when I would quote, just remember where the clips are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good system. Okay, so uh, Zashan has sent us clips. So let's listen to this first one. It's called Subject Line Explanation. What? Now I know how Oshin feels. You were doing so well, then oh, you bungled explanation it. For okay. Zishan, 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 Zishan. Which one? He didn't tell us which one is right. No. Maybe we shot. Here's another clip. Maybe we shot some dogs together. That's a good. That's one. a great clip. There's another one. It's the house where all the fucked up people live. Wishes to come true. What is that from? Did they pair? Did he pair those together? Did they come together? I don't know. Yeah. And then here's another one. Is that from your book? No, oh, Kevin, that's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> no, Kevin. All right, guys. Yep. yep. Final no, email. Kevin. Yep, yeah. From Oshin. You guys thought Oshin, Oshin! wasn't going to send one in. Oshin says the leftovers email theme. Hey, babies, I didn't have much worth saying this week, but I still wanted to email, so here's my quick emails theme I slapped together. I slapped it on Love the it. ass. Minimal effort. Just kidding. what we're looking for. Like a real <laughs> mathematician. All right, here it is. A new emails theme from Oshin. Hell yeah, who was that? Big boobs. Big boobs. <laughs> Wow. Is that the grapefruit blowjob lady? What? <laughs> um, yeah. Right. I don't know if that's going to take over. Yeah, that one's not going to take. That one probably won't <laughs> take. But we'll we'll put it through the system and we'll see what happens. Guys. You just send that to, uh, to Owen as punishment for not coming today. <laughs> yeah. Um, Somebody made you a clip, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> just for you. Well, guys. What an episode. I mean, I'm just, I think I'm just fully buckled in too, but it is fun to really talk about all these thoughts. Only four I, more. Only four more, you guys. Four more years. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> four more years of The Leftovers. How about that? Um, four more years of first time show. We just did four years. <laughs> How about six seasons in a movie, Brett? All right, I'm for it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, guys, thank you for listening. Alana, welcome back. Thank you, back. Um, Owen, we hope you come back wherever you are. But he had dated until uh, he came back. Brett, thank you for making yep. time. This is your last East sure. Coast edition of the episode. The last East Coast. We'll be back Next in the time same I'll be back. time zone and we'll be stoned. In sunny California. Brett, thank you for putting in the extra Very effort being in the east coast we appreciate you and uh we can't wait for the next few episodes you guys so uh we'll see you next time it's gonna be for... wild i think i'm gonna watch the next two on the plane oh shit okay all right uh i love that but anyway i hope there's nothing weird make sure to send in your emails to the first time show by saturday mornings this is the safest bet at the first time show at gmail.com and uh, follow us on our Instagram account, First Time Show, on our Twitter account, The First Time Show, I think. And uh, that's it. Alana, anything you want to yeah. promote or plug or say? Or... Uh, I'm having a good time. Great. Brett, anything else? Follow. I want to see who listens this far. What's that? Uh, follow, follow me on Twitter. Oh. I tweeted this week. I might tweet again. Oh, shit. Are you tweeting? Brett did this. At, I tweeted once. 
at Brett. Whoa, Dude I didn't is. even know you had a Twitter account. I haven't taken, I haven't taken my Twitter account seriously, uh, ever. And I thought maybe I might this week. Hmm. Whoa. Oh my God. That's all. A party? <laughs> well, that's very exciting, Brett. So follow Brett on Twitter. Uh, I know. We'll Twitter. see. We'll Brett see. Brett did this. Um, we'll see. I got stuff to announce, baby. I think, maybe. Um, all right. Well, Brett, thank you. Yep. And um, she was. What else? Back door, my friend. <laughs> all right. Back that's enough. Door, my Back door, my friend. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate you. Follow us on youtube.com slash the valley cast to watch the video version of the show. Helps a lot. Share with your friends. I don't know. Tell them to watch the leftovers. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.